Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Hey everybody, it's the Rejunk Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gremko. Unfortunately, this is not the Halloween episode since I'm not doing music anymore. If you didn't know, check out the previous mini episode that I posted last week. I'll, I'll explain everything why I'm not doing music anymore. But I'm hoping to have a new interview next week with Carbon Leaf. If I can get one on Friday in New York City. Um, either way, I'm going to the show, so that should be fun. But hopefully I'll be able to get an interview with one of the members of Carbon Leaf, and then post that next week. This episode is done by my friend Chris Taylor, who was on the Hudson Valley episode. He teams up with his friend Drew, who co-hosts the Marvel Netflix Daredevil-themed podcast, Devil's Do podcast. Um, they discuss his own show, as well as some other superhero shows. Plus, they review the Metallica show that they went to in Buffalo that they attended on October 27th. In addition to that, they also talk about some more Metallica experiences. So Chris is going to be doing the guest hosting this week, and I will be back next week. But in the meantime, you can check out Chris and Drew talking right now. All right, we're live. Uh, well, we're probably not live because this is taped. All right, depending on when this airs, uh, this is Chris. I'm little deviation from the usual podcast that Brian does. We're trying something a little different. Uh, I'm out here post-Metallica with uh, my buddy Drew, and today we're going to discuss uh, the Metallica show we went to last night. Also, we'll dive into uh, the universe of the Marvel Netflix series, because Drew also co-hosts a Marvel Netflix wrap-up show that's called The Devil's Do. So, Drew, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Nothing much. So, uh, we attended quite the show last night. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, that was my 17th Metallica show. And uh, I mean, let me do some quick mental math. That was the 17 and only the one, two, <laughs> three, four, fifth in, uh, here in Buffalo, New York. Wow. Yeah, so that's 12 that I've seen elsewhere. I, I want to say that I haven't seen them in the same place twice, technically, but I guess Meadowlands since I saw them in the stadium, but then I saw them in the arena. So does that count as the same place? Nah, it's got to be the same building, man. Well, no, that's not true. I take that back. Same same area? Yeah, you're, you're good. That, so that counts. Let me see. Uh, we have uh, Key Bank Arena, Foxborough, which we both attended last year. Yep. Um, I think prior to that, I went to, was it the Prudential Center one? And then it was the arena? Then was it the Meadowlands Arena? And I think maybe before that was, um, oh, not Jones Beach, but the other place, Nassau Coliseum. Nice. And uh, before that, the first time I saw them was 2003 on the St. Anger Tour with, at a giant stadium. That was that weird mixed bill where it was like, uh, it felt like it was divided into three camps. Was that, that was the Summer Sanitarium gig, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mudvayne went yep. on first, which was really weird because that was that transitional period where I was still kind of digging what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then the Deftones went on, and it was like because the arena was still not, well, the, the stadium was still pretty empty, you could just hear it echoing. And I'm like, I don't want it echoing. I just want to hear it straight up. They're like one of my favorite bands. And then it went into that... Those two bands, I wasn't sure it needed to be on the bill, but I guess they wanted to play it safe, uh, like Limp Bizkit and Linkin Park. Yeah, yeah. And that was that period, too, when they had the other guitars in Limp Bizkit, too, so that made it like less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so an extra guitarist made it less interesting. Well, I, I don't know. West Borland, he wears those fancy costumes and stuff, so... <laughs> and paints his face and all his weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's, uh -oh. it's just little things to count, but yeah, they, they did the St. Anger set, and... Um, that's probably the last time I've heard them do any of those tunes. Yeah, I don't think I think they've only busted out like frantic once or twice in the or maybe Saint Anger the, the title track like once or twice in the years since then. Which you know whatever people people have their opinions on that record. I think it's great, but oh, yeah. I understand that people don't necessarily come to the shows to see that stuff. So whatever. Well, like at the time period when they put that record out, it felt like a very like punk rock thing to do, like. Yeah, but people, people, it, it's weird because, like, without getting into a whole discussion on Metallica, which I could easily do, uh, I mean, like, long form, but uh, that was a weird time, man. That was like, what, 03? 
and I think at that time we were the 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 anti metal '90s vibe was dying out, and like there was like a new generation of interest in kids that were coming up on like Mashuga and underground stuff and Fear Factory or Machine. Like there was just this new blood in the water. Yeah, and here's Metallica coming out with their first studio record since Reload, really. Because Garage Inc. was in 99, and that doesn't really count. I mean, it's a coverage record. So I think there was a lot of, like, there was a vibe like, oh, Metallica's going to, they're going to come out with something, and it's going to, like, slay or what, you know, and it's going to be metal. Yeah. And they put out this, like, grunged out garage record. It just sounds messed up and broken and punk and, and weird and the rest is kind of like history of people just going like, no, it's terrible. Well, no, it's just not what you wanted, man. Well, I mean, and, and it's it's interesting to say this now considering how music is, but, you know, it, the production, well, the lack thereof production seemed like it was very, like, a good countermeasure at the time because uh, I know saying this now doesn't make a lot of sense, but at the time, you know, there was a lot of fakeness and overproduced records, like everything. Still, well, there's always going to be. That. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, that's that's why I kind of dig that. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, they they maybe want a more crisp audio experience. But I've I've grew up like listening to hardcore demos and sketchy <laughs> tapes and bootlegs where they were barely scrambled and whatnot. You know. Yeah. Again, you know, I I, I defend that record, and I think there's a lot of good tunes on it. So whatever. But yeah. um, so like, I got I I have a spreadsheet of all the shows that I've been to. So. Ooh. Yeah, we could we could run this down. Um, 1997, uh, here in Buffalo, uh, HSBC Arena, same place. Was that the, the load or the reload tour? That was a load tour. Oh, okay. Uh, 97, Philadelphia, um, the Core State Center parking lot gig. Oh. Uh, the free show. Um, that You can find that on YouTube. But yeah, we drove to... We drove free free Metallica show. We're going to Philadelphia. Did they play like a full set on that? Or? Yeah, but it's like it was a weird... Not weird, but like... They busted out um, stuff they hadn't played in a long time, plus Fuel and Memory Remains. So they played like uh, the full version of Master of Puppets for the first time since the Justice Tour. They started, they did it there first. Oh, yeah. Um, Helpless, um, uh, Of Wolf and Man for the first time since like the Black Tour, uh, the thing that should not be for the first time oh, since like Justice. Yeah. Like they did all kinds of weird song choices and it was total it was really that, that show was insane man and as an impressionable youth uh <laughs> i got to see things i really shouldn't have seen at that age in the parking <laughs> lot man it was pretty wild uh so i was 97 philadelphia uh 98 back in buffalo at darien lake that was a reload show outdoors um that was a cool show i met jason newstead after that show nice uh, 99, um, Toronto, ah, the club show. I saw them in a club, about a thousand people. It was a garaging promo show. It was awesome. But that was different because you went to another show in Toronto that was like a club show, right? Uh, last year, yeah. 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 This was back in 99 for the Garage Inc. thing, and uh, Kirk had just had his appendix out, so he was like sitting on a stool playing guitar. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? I commend him because, I mean, what did Ozzy slam his thumb in a door or something like that and canceled a bunch of dates? I mean, I don't know if you need your thumb to sing, but... Well, when you're that old, it could kill you, so... <laughs> Just go out there, tape the mic onto his hand, maybe put the water bucket in the other part that's not, you know... I sure. can't hear you! Splashing your water. Ozzy gonna Ozzy, man. <laughs> Uh, New Year's Eve 99 2000 uh, Detroit at the Silverdome I go Pontiac whatever the the, the Silverdome show that that show was really, are, are you sure really it was cool. the Silverdome and not like a Hulk Hogan moment uh, I was actually at the Silverdome brother <laughs> they didn't have to send out Austin to uh, to relieve the situation <laughs> what uh, let's see 01 Baltimore at uh, Key Bank Stadium that was a summer sanitarium show that one was with uh, with Corn. And uh, System of a Down, I think. And I think it was Kid Rock. And Kid was, Rock. Yeah, you know, I don't like many bands there. But I, I do like, you know, at the time I really liked Korn. And, you know, that was kind of cool to see Korn and Metallica. That was what? That was 99? That was 2001. 2001. So yeah. that was like, after, that was way after Follow the Leader. I forget what the next record was. Was that Issues or something? Issues. And it might have been around, it might have been, was that before or after Untouchables? I don't remember. But it was around that time. Um, they were still, I mean, you know, you say what you want about corn. They're 
they at that time they were really good. Oh yeah, I'm not so much into them anymore, but you know whatever. Uh, 2003, okay, Saint Anger Summer Sanitarium, um, Toronto at the Rogers Center. Um, that was a weird show. That they didn't sound very good that night, um, and they 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 commented on it on stage like they were not happy with the sound and. You know the performance wasn't that wasn't that. I don't remember. I don't. I really don't remember much about that show. It could be an off night. You know, I mean, that's the one thing people don't understand. It's like you know, we live in this age where everything can get broadcast on YouTube, and there's no quality filter. It's just like some dude holding up his phone, and somebody could be having like a sore throat or something like that, or maybe just that day was not good for them. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's not like the video says hashtag. By the way, off night for the van. Right. 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 <laughs> Plus, you know, these St. Anger shows, because I, I got a few more here, like, you know, people take, you you kind of forget, like, that some kind of monster came out around that time, and, like, that, you know, James was kind of coming out of a really whack place. Oh, yeah. And getting back into, like, Metallica mode was probably not the biggest thing on his plate at that time. I'm not saying, like, you know, that excuses subpar performance, but, like, I don't know, I feel like they kind of had to relearn how to be Metallica again, and they kind of just worked it out on the road. Um, I don't know. Those shows, though, were, are not among the ones that I would, you know, think of as like my favorite ones. So, like then I saw uh, that was a three Toronto, O four Buffalo again at HSBC Arena, O four Cleveland uh, at the Gund Arena. Now it's called the what did Phil tell us it was called? Now I don't even know. These buildings change names all the time. It's, oh, it's called State our- Farm. I don't. I don't know. Wherever the basketball it's the team plays, Headington Memorial Coliseum. That's right. That one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Shout out to Phil, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, then back-to-back nights, the last two nights of the tour on the Death Magnetic uh, first leg um, in New Jersey at the Prudential Center. Uh, we did two nights there. So oh, I, yeah. I think I was at, I was at one of those. Saw Joey Z outside. <laughs> it was funny. It was awesome. Life yeah, of Agony. You would see him in a lot of shows locally. Like uh, if Anthrax was playing in town, he'd be there. Like I don't know. He was out a lot. I guess it's just there wasn't a lot going on. I know at the time around like 2007... 2008, he was trying to do a studio, but I think it got wiped out in the hurricane. Ah, brutal. Yeah. Thanks, Sandy. Joey's doing well. I saw him at the Life of Agony show a couple weeks ago, and, like, he was super cool. Super, like, that guy just beams positivity. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that was pretty sweet. Uh, he was telling us stories about hanging out with Kirk Hammett, like on vacation with their in-laws and stuff. Like, interestingly enough, that's, that's bizarre to me. Interestingly enough, I think that friendship's been going on like for a long time, yeah. maybe oh, he, through the nineties. Like, yeah. there was always legends because where I'm from in Rockland County. Um, spoiler alert, uh, Joey Z was from like, I guess the Haverstraw area. And there was all these legends that Kirk would go hang out at Joey Z's house. And we were like, yo man, why can't we go hang out there? <laughs> yeah. He told us like, they've been hanging out for like 20 years and like, they go on vacation together with their wives and, and, and kids and stuff. It's crazy. It's like, man. what? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, that was the backpack to Jersey. Okay. Oh nine. Okay. Uh, again, death magnetic tour, Cleveland. Um, that was a cool show because that was like one of Gojira's last nights on that tour. And I was the only dude in the building, in the building with a Gojira shirt on. And I got right up front and they saw me. <laughs> nice. And they, they, shot, they were like, they gave me the, the shout. And then before Heaviest Matter of the Universe, they're like, the song is for this guy right here. I was like, yeah. yes, let's do that. So then uh, in Buffalo in 09, um, a couple weeks later, again at HSBC Arena, again, now the Key Bank Center, whatever names. Uh, so two weeks later, I got to see him in Buffalo again, and unfortunately, a Volbeat opened, and that was unfortunate. Ugh. That stunk. That stunk out loud. I missed Gojira very badly. Were those was those before or after the Prudential Center show? Because the one that I went to was after. on the Super Bowl, and I remember like it was it was a weird time because. Uh, our band was about to break up in a week. We just didn't know it. Uh, so we were all kind of there, not as a band activity, but just as friends. I'll use the air quotes there. And uh, yeah, it was just like, it, it was weird because one of the guys went and he was fixated on seeing the halftime show, which was weird to me because that was like, um, I forget who the other first band was, but Machine Head was on. We're all big Machine Head fans. Oh, yeah. And he didn't want to watch Machine Head. He went to a section of the building where they were showing the halftime show to see Bruce Springsteen. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think you're going to lose some scene points there. And that, don't that you puts, want to see the boss, man? Yeah, you're, you're going to go to Poserville there, man. <laughs> you're heading towards Old Man Town. Yeah. Um, so that was in 09. And then, oh my God, this, I mean, this makes sense because I'm, I'm looking at the spreadsheet and I guess this is this is what it is. 
and they they did go away for a while and just did summer crap in Europe forever. Uh, 09 Buffalo, and then I didn't see them again until 2016 in Toronto. That was uh, that was that the second was, club show, right? That was the club show. Five hundred people, dude. That show has got to be like my top show. I mean, it, it's hard to rank these things. And looking at this list, and I have good memories from all of them. Some I have no memory at all, unfortunately. But uh, that one was insane. I don't know how I pulled that off. Like we, I I got tickets from the fan club. So big ups to the Metallica club for you know hooking me up with that. But. Uh, Dude, and you know that, that show was just nuts. Seeing Metallica in a building that size was magical. And, and you know what's it's in, I like this this new method that they have now with the ticket on sales where you're basically buying it direct from them. It's a great way to curb, you know, the nasty bot situation that we have where, you know, getting tickets is damn near impossible for anything nowadays. If you go through like Ticketmaster, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a way around that stuff, but I think that like the big outfits, man. This is a whole other conversation we could fucking we could have like they're like they don't they're in on it yeah like not not explicitly on paper but like they're all in it together like i I, that story came out where Ticketmaster they don't own StubHub right but they do make an app that ticket buyers can use to directly as soon as they purchase the tickets on Ticketmaster the app that they made allows them to immediately list them on StubHub StubHub didn't come up with that. Ticketmaster did for StubHub for people who wanted to list that. Come on, man. You guys are all in cahoots here. This is ridiculous. Yeah, they have ways that they use it um, secondhand or brokers. Like, yeah. dude, come on. It's, it's, it's stop, trying to, stop trying to pretty up the guy with the trench coat that you see in the yeah. parking lot. He's the guy outside with the sign. That's all it is, man. Except you <laughs> the guy with the, the sign that says, I need tickets. And on the other side, it says, I, I have tickets. tickets. <laughs> So that was that. That show was awesome. And then that summer, uh, twenty seventeen, Foxborough. That was, that was a good show. That I, was a good show. I, I, had a good I think. Time. I think the thing that made that show more special, not that the show itself wasn't, just having all you guys out there yeah, to yeah, that. Because yeah. I mean, I would have just went by myself and been like, "This is great," and you know, belly, think, belly of the beast for us, man. Well, I mean, for all of us. I mean, I might have lived there for eight years, but I really don't. Yeah, about I'm Buffalo, dude. We, we, we don't. We, we we look at Foxborough. It's like you know, Satan's butthole. So <laughs> that's the den of evil. <laughs> I, I would definitely say that. I mean, the the only good thing I can say is they do have a most Southwest Grill there and a movie theater that's really nice. Otherwise, that's pretty much the extent of my going there. I mean, we have those things here, and I don't have to go to Tom Brady's hollowed temple to to go to them. How dare you speak ill, of Tom Brady? Yeah, I will ask me about Tom Brady. Uh, let's see. Okay, last summer, 2017, Toronto at the Rogers Center again. Um, I had Snake Pit for that, and that was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was cool. And then last night, that brings us to 17. That was uh, last night again, Buffalo Key Bank Center, formerly <laughs> HSBC Arena, formerly First Niagara Center, formerly Marine Midland Arena. Formerly, when the building was announced, the Crossroads Arena. So you might say this building has seen its fair share of naming shenanigans. So that's my Metallica uh, live history up to this point. So so let's go into last what we or? saw last night. Oh, so dude. what people don't know is Metallica, they don't just go out on a tour and play the same set list verbatim every night like no. some bands, which makes it more of a special experience and encourages you to go to more shows, which I think is great, you know? I mean, it sucks that we live in a time where it's like a lot of bands have things pre-programmed because they do these certain songs in the set, they have special things they want to do. Not that Metallica doesn't, we'll get into that, but I think it's kind of cool that it makes it, makes it more interesting for fans to kind of, uh, you know, keep guessing because i mean we live in an age where you can go on setlist.fm not not that this is a free plug for them but you can go pretty much see the tour list and there's been many times you know since i've been going concerts for over 25 years you know there's a lot of stuff that i've seen so sometimes it'll be a while they're actually playing that song i'll go but for most times it's like They've been playing that same set for the last uh, ten years, so yeah, I think yeah. maybe I'll skip this one. But this tonight, this was—they busted out some songs I didn't think they'd do. Uh, they, I guess, you know, was the fourth song in the set was their change song, and they did "Leper Messiah." Yeah, "Leper Messiah" was the big highlight for me, man. Because I, I mean, you know, again, it is really awesome that they change it up like that. But um, like 
you never know what you're going to get, which is good and bad. You know, I think uh, spontaneity or um, spontaneity, what's the word I'm looking for here? Unpredictability yeah. in this day and age is really important because, like you said, the internet and everything, people know what they're going to play. And if I know that if someone knows that the band is just going to do the same exact set every night, by the end of that tour, someone that was like maybe on the fence about buying tickets might not buy tickets. Cause yeah. Like, well, I know what they're going to do. I don't really care. But if you keep it fresh every night, you don't know what you're going to get. So you are probably more inclined to go and be like, I hope they do this tonight. I hope that like that feeling of anticipation and, un- and unpredictability is cool. Like, yeah. As a fan. So yeah, last night we got Hardwired, Atlas Rise, Seek and Destroy, Leper Messiah, Unforgiven. I was kind of surprised they played Seek so early because I guess maybe it's just because my fandom has built that to be a later it set. It used to close the set. Yeah. Yeah. On the Death Magnetic Tour, that was a closer. And they had the beach balls, but they didn't yeah. have they didn't have the beach balls, but they had enough other cool stuff to make up for it. Uh, I got a handful of picks. <laughs> I'm yeah. happy. Um, Unforgiven. Uh, now that we're dead, um, with the big drum uh, break in the middle, it was different cool. from when we saw it um, at Foxborough because they just kind of had the drums. Like here, they had those cube TV screens. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Like they have these giant like. Uh, digital cube things that are basically LED like screens. LED screens on all four sides. Yeah, yeah. So it's they sweet. had those, but then they popped up these drums from under the stage, and they had those screens around. And they kind of like lit up, you know, while they were playing them. It's really, really cool visual. Yeah, whoever whoever did their stage design is that that company is a uh, wow. Pay, pay those guys more money because that 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 stage is gorgeous. And just just so people know, even though it wasn't in the round stage, it wasn't like previous times where we've seen them. Like I know. In 2009, when we see them, they had amps kind of in the middle, but it wasn't so much like just a, cabs, yeah. just a square stage then. That was rectangular. This was more of like a... a diamond. Yeah. Like right in the center of a, of a hockey rink. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it, it's clean looking, like the you know white floor. I don't know how they keep that thing clean. <laughs> but uh, I'd be afraid to put footprints on it. I know, all. right? Um, but it, it looks real clean. And uh, those cubes, man, are wild. They're shooting up and down like that all the time to the set. Oh, like, yeah. I looked up at it at one point, man. It's like, you know, 10 feet over my head, yeah, not yeah. even. That thing's big. And I, all I could think was, if that thing cuts loose, like, someone's getting wrecked. I, I didn't want to <laughs> touch it and shake it and have it come down on us. I, but I was like, I was like, I don't know how much that weighs. But other than that, what was it? Um, and for anybody who's curious, you know, even though it's it's like a round stage, Lars sits on a on podium and it'll spin. I think it Every went four songs or so it spins around so we can face a different side. Yeah. So it, at one point you got to see Lars from the back or the front. Yeah. Back to the front. Yeah. Back to the front. <laughs> uh, so now that we're dead, uh, wherever I may roam, that, um, you know, that's my jam. Oh yeah. Don't, don't even be around me. Well, you were around me. And, I was and around you. You survived. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Rob did, a little thing and then they go into bells from the bell tolls uh then we get the halo on fire which that was the song i wanted to hear last night to be honest with you like i didn't care what what, almost what else they played but i wanted halo on fire i felt like when they did a lot of the newer album songs like i felt a little bit more connected to them even though i hadn't listened to the to the album probably in like a year like i just felt like they're a little bit more ingrained you know it's we'll talk about that that's uh yeah i i this album seems to have some legs to it amongst yeah. fans, and I'll we'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, let me get to the set real quick though. So, uh, Four Horsemen, which was unexpected, and Creeping Death, which is unexpected. Like Leper Messiah, Horsemen, and Creeping Death. I feel like those are not regular songs in the set anymore. Yeah. So we got all three of those last night. That was pretty sweet. Uh, Moth and the Flame, Moth and the Flame, dude. Those drone moths. Oh, that is wild. So that is insane. So I, I tried to see if I could capture this. Uh, maybe I'll try to like put the video up or whatever because I did put it up on my Instagram stories. But like they had these drones come out, and you know I, I'm, you know every time I hear drone, I always think of Matt Hardy. And, you know <laughs> Vanguard One, yeah, Van, Vanguard One, delete, delete. But like when they came out, I was trying to figure out. I'm like at first, I'm like, are these strings or anything? Right, right, right. But there was a guy next to us at the show that explained that they had that specifically designed for them. And I remember when we first walked in and we looked up and there was like this weird rack over the drum set mm. and i'm like what is that apparently the guy said that those were the controllers for the drones so there wasn't like 20 guys on the side with you know controls no it's all programmed <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's crazy man i mean technology is uh what a time to be alive and that's that's definitely one of the biggest surprises i've ever seen at like a concert i mean it's it, a cool effect i i, I mean if it's it, it, like 
you don't know they're drones, right? Like you know they're drones, but the effect is the song is moth into flame, so they're just they're meant to be like fireflies, moths, you know. Yeah, and they were, they were looking for the lamp, and yeah, right. <laughs> it just but they they go in circles and they go up and down. They go in the stage, they come back out of the stage, like they do patterns in the scat, like in the above. They do patterns above the band. That's it's just crazy. That's a that's a crazy effect, dude. And oh, that's yeah. that's also some trust because you know at some point like Kirk or something is probably like, can I touch it? And like, no, don't touch the drone. You're gonna cut your finger off, dude. <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, they don't catch James on like a bad night and he just whacks one of them. <laughs> oh, he'll learn the hard way. You don't do that. That that those drone blades are sharp. Well, the, the fan would probably know if he just like baseball bat swung his guitar at it. <laughs> so then we yeah right. Then we get to the uh, basically the. Uh, I don't want to say predictable, but the the staple end of the set. So you get Sad But True, one, Master of Puppets. Uh, Point of contention here, we got Battery, um, Nothing Else Matters, and Enter Sandman. Close the show. Uh, Battery. Love Battery. But that's also the spot in the set where they also are known to play Spit Out the Bone. And I would have rather heard spit out the bone. <laughs> so well, well, I'll the, take what I can get. The but, other uh, thing too that that I thought I would have at least liked it. I mean, they put out that Lars put out that fake set list or something on his Instagram stories, yeah. and he had Harvester listed. And I'm like, you know, you guys are about to put out this Justice box set in a week. Maybe maybe sprinkle in a thing, even though your pre orders probably were really good anyway. Yeah, I don't know how they. I mean, they say they use Spotify to like kind of check what they've played in that or what's what's popular like in that area before the show and they program around that and plus i know for a fact that for years lars is also like known and kept track of what they played in each city over the years yeah and he kind of goes with that too so who knows but uh yeah battery's great but i really wanted spit out the bone because i've never obviously i've never heard it live before and it's like a really 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 killer song so uh yeah but that show was Awesome. So what did I say I was going to get back to again? <laughs> oh, we got a little. Also, too, I guess uh, all noteworthy, too. It kind of made me a little cringe a little bit because I still have flashbacks from Montreal when the fire was going off. I was like, yeah. James, please stay over there. Be careful, James, please. <laughs> uh, well, we, we said we we're going to come back to something. Uh, was it by Halo on Fire? Oh, the legs of the album. Yeah, man. So like 10 years ago. God, isn't that weird to say? 10 years ago, Death Magnetic came out and like. You know, I thought it was awesome. It was a real air quotes return to form, yeah. or whatever that means, record for them. Like, Black Album meets Justice, kind of, when the production was real justice y. And fans were complaining for years that they needed to do that. So they did that, and then fans still complained. So it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? But, uh, they didn't. They don't play any of those songs live anymore. Maybe Cyanide once in a while. Well, I was thinking about this too because when you look at like a lot of the bigger legacy bands like Iron Maiden stuff like that, and some of these other ones, you get to a point where there's going to be albums you're going to ignore. And yeah. basically, I think I said this to you last night. Like that's the first Metallica show I've been to where they haven't played Fuel, and I thought that that was weird because usually it's like they have at least one representation from, from that the, era. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's and nowadays like you either get fuel or memory remains, and you don't get anything from load anymore at all. Like you don't get until it sleeps, King Nothing, Hero of the Day, Bleeding Me. Like those were big tunes from that record, and they don't play any of those anymore. I wonder too, because I, I'm I'm a big fan of like records that maybe didn't hit back then, and you go back and rediscover them. But I don't know if that if that exists as much as it used to. Like, there's the one record that everybody, like, hyped on 10 years after it came out. Uh, was it Failures, uh, Fantastic Planet? Everybody went nuts for it. So I'm wondering, maybe it's been it's been about 20 years since Load and Reload. Was, uh, God, that's insane to say. I'm old. It's like 22 <laughs> since Load, because I think that came out in June of 96, and I don't remember when Reload came out, but I'm assuming... November 97. That was 97. Yeah. But, like, you know... Maybe there's been enough time where you can be at peace with those records in ways. Because, I mean, I, I got to be honest, myself, you know, in May of 96, I got Pantera's Great Southern Trend Kill. <laughs> and then in June, I got Load. And I don't know. It's just like at the time, well, you like wanted, I, yeah. Yeah, like I said, man, like metal <clears throat> fans get a metal fan. And, you know, hey, whatever. Do what you're going to do. What you're going to do. You're going to like what you like and whatnot. But, like, I think Load and Reload have aged really well, and uh, 
I, there's definitely a generation of fans that like that era oh, yeah. a lot. And it's, it is a little weird to me that they don't really represent that era much. Well, it's not at, like those records didn't sell. I mean, they sold a ton. Yeah. Even by today's standards, they, it's, it's still pretty amazing. But I mean, it's one of those things when those records came out, it was like an adapt or die mentality because metal was not on anybody's radar. Like MTV had just dropped Headbangers Ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that kind of stuff. Like it was just like it was a dirty word. And you even had like some other bands, like uh, I think some of the barrier bands. I think like Testament and Exodus both tried to make seemingly not so much grunge, but they tried to change it up to suit the times. And even they, they well, Testament back. tried to go death metal. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, demonic and, uh, and, and the, uh, it was yeah, yeah. Demonic was a good record. It's a different approach that you could take, but uh, yeah, it was it, that was a dark time for metal. Like it was, you know, things weren't what it wasn't the eighties anymore. And this is where like the metal fan would tell you like, well, Metallica should have stuck to their guns and not sold out. They sold out. I'm like, well, no, they just there's a lot of inner there's a lot of things involved with all that. Like they wanted to. After the Black Album, especially when they basically became the biggest thing ever, they were bored and wanted to break out oh, of yeah. that. Of that, and you well, know, doing the leather jacket metal routine for those guys, they did it since they were eighteen years old. By the time Load was coming around, they were in their early mid thirties. Like they were, I under, like think about life. Like eventually, you just kind of go like, I've done this thing that I've done for this long, I gotta, I gotta shake it up. I can't do it anymore. I'm bored. I, yeah. Well, that, also that's too, what happens, man. is, is it considered selling out, trying something different or is it selling out by staying in the same path because you're too scared to take a chance? Sure. Sure. <laughs> you want to be all reliable, like uh ACDC or whatever, like same record every time. I mean, it's pretty safe. Yeah. And, I mean, you're giving people what they want, I suppose, but at the same time, like you're not really, pushing any boundaries you know but uh anyway yeah so like hardware though it definitely seems like again we're still it's still only like a couple years old so we'll see if it holds true but it feels like this album's got a lot more legs than uh than than death magnetic did and uh i wonder how many of these songs will be in the set down the road probably few of them (laughs) and it was pretty (laughs) bold of them maybe the title track will stick around but yeah i mean it was pretty bold of them to put it out as a double album i mean especially considering we're in a time now where the albums seem to be there's like a death of the album now it's a double album in the fact that it it fits on two records yeah uh vinyl records but i mean a double album in the way that you would think of it back in the 90s not even close (laughs) like (laughs) load and reload were supposed to be a double album in that they're both full-length records uh, Nine Inch Nails The Fragile is a double album because they're basically two sides of a full length like it's two full length things that, Hardwired is, is one record I'm sorry yeah. it's, it's one album calling it a double is uh, a little dubious but hey man whatever yeah. get, get get yourself get, get paid son alright so let's switch gears a little bit because oh. because uh, you know I'm doing this basically to give you a cheap plug for your other podcast for those that don't know Drew co-hosts a Marvel Netflix theme. That's the anchor. Yeah. I don't want to say Daredevil because I don't want to limit you, but I mean, it is the focal point. Yeah, Daredevil's our focal point. So it's called The Devil's Do. Um, I host it with, uh, well, I'm the co-host. Uh, the host is my friend Carl Duty. Um, and we talk about Star Wars and Marvel and comics and games, board games and video games. So, you know, basically it's a geek den uh, show and we kind of anchor it on the Marvel Netflix shows, mainly Daredevil, but we also talk about Luke Cage, uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, I would say Iron Fist, but we never really we don't do deep dives on Iron Fist because the show was just not good. So, did you actually watch the second season? I watched like three episodes and I got bored. So. Oh, okay. I mean, it was bet. Was it better than the first? Yes, but uh, that wasn't enough to keep me around. <laughs> so, um, I think in any case, yeah, yeah, I think Brian said that he actually muscled through the season, and I'm like. Dude, I mean, come on. You knew the first one was bad. Hey, man, I got a seven-week-old kid now, so time is not on my side here, and uh, I got other things to do besides watch a show that I hate. <laughs> so, you know. But, yeah, that's that's our show. Uh, if you could check it out, we're at thedevilsdopodcast.com. And, um, yeah, we have fun. We, again, we talk about all things. Uh, if it's if it's in the geek sphere, uh, we talk about it. Um, we indulge our passions. We talk wrestling. I talk wrestling. Carl listens to me tell him about wrestling. Uh <laughs> You know, 
Carl's big into uh, X-Wing, the um, the tabletop game with Star Wars ships and stuff. It's it's a cool game, but he, that's like his game. That's his bag, so he, he talks about that. Uh, we, we do game night every week, almost every week, and um, you know we'll kind of recap our game night and see what, what's on the table, what we're playing. Um, and then, you know, whatever news happens during the week with the geek stuff, movie announcements, comic announcements, game-related stuff, we... we hash it out and have spirited discussions about it yeah. i'm not one to shy I'm, I'm a pretty uh opinionated guy and i don't shy away from uh hot takes as it were um i don't find them that hot but people apparently do so you know everybody's gonna have differing opinions i mean you know it's weird when you go back it's like you look at like the history of a lot of these shows and it's like my first exposure on any kind of like marvel shows was i remember watching the old uh bill bigsby incredible hulk oh yeah like that, I was big into that. Sad Hulk movie, please. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was a kid, and it was on, and it was like basically you're seeing a live action take of a superhero. But you know, we didn't really have the greatest history of portrayals like going no, up to that. I, no, we're in a golden age right now, man. It's 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 crazy, and you know, not to get like fanboyish about it, but like Marvel's driving the train. Uh, DC's kind of stuck in the caboose um it's weird and- like those shows they have like a specific feel i watched uh an episode of arrow like it was on and i was just like well let me take a look at it and I was, people love that stuff i which, was hey I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it now yeah, I, I don't watch those shows but people love that whole cw verse you know i feel like those shows have like a specific feel that i'm that i guess when you get into watching them you that the episodes flow in a similar way, but it's like a DC thematic thing. I was more distracted because I'm watching it, and my, the wrestling fan in me sees Cody, uh, and I'm well, Cody name redact. Well, whatever, they're not going to serve me with a cease and desist. Cody Rhodes, right? And uh, you know, I see him, and I'm just kind of like polarized and fixated on him. I'm like, I don't know, is he going to hit a crossroads <laughs> or a beautiful pressure kick? Yeah, <laughs> where's Bernard? <laughs> Yeah, um, but like the episodes seem pretty good, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like I go back to watching shows. Like I remember when Lois and Clark came on, and we were all <laughs> excited because oh, it's a Superman show. But early on, those early episodes were like it was more about the love story, and yeah. then Superman would show up on the last two minutes of the episode to fulfill that obligation. But as time went out, I guess viewership went down, and they tried to go a little bit more towards the comic. Superhero. Yeah. And I think maybe that actually lost people, but that's one of the things with the Marvel series. It seems like they try to not directly like make it cartoonish. They try to ground it more in reality. The Netflix shows definitely do. Yeah, like Agents of Shield's a little more fantastical, and that's more a little more directly tied to the movies, but not really. The movies don't care that these shows exist. It's a weird, it's a weird relationship they have. Like the shows all exist in the in the world the movies built, but the movies don't acknowledge anything on the shows. So it's it's what it is, but uh, yeah, the Netflix shows especially are just a totally different approach. So if you got the movies that are very uh, big in scope, cosmic um, in scope now, my God, you know, space and the universe, yada yada. The Netflix shows are like, no, here's a neighborhood, like in New York City. Yep. This is where this all happens, and it's real gritty and, and grounded, and it's cool. Um, and you know, I was a Daredevil fanatic before the show came out. I've been a Daredevil fanatic for like twenty years. Um, so when they, I mean, I lived through Ben Affleck, so <laughs> I survived Ben Affleck, damn it. Um, when they said they were going to do a TV show, like I was immediately like, yes, this, this could be great. And lo and behold, it was. Oh, so yeah. among the four shows, um, two of them gotten canceled, but I mean, among the four, in my opinion, and I could be biased cause I'm such a fan, but I feel like they treat Daredevil with the most respect yeah and they definitely treat it with the most seriousness so you know they they, they play around a little bit more yeah. on the other ones and, and you know fiddle with theme and the tone but on daredevil they treat it serious as a heart attack and they really i think anyway deliver a a, a, a very um serious and heartfelt portrayal of daredevil and well, I, I love it i think it's awesome but he's a character he's got a lot of depth to him i mean absolutely it's hard with the other ones because uh, you know i love jessica jones the first season it's like the second season i came out you know at first i was like wow this is great but like after i listened to like you guys doing the recaps i was like maybe it wasn't as good but the thing i liked about <laughs> the first season <laughs> was like the the concept of the Kilgrave character just the fact that he 
it wasn't so much like he was an imposing guy with a cape or whatever. Right. He was a guy that could get in and just warp your mind and make you do things like the manipulation. I think that kind of stems beyond, you know, saying, hey, it's a power or whatever. And I think that probably made him one of the most intriguing Marvel villains, like yeah. as far as, you know, series to me, because that was like a realm of believability, you know, with them kind of playing up, you know, um, I guess, you know, making making Jessica feel like dirty for what she did and everything. Right. Like that that dichotomy was fantastic. And I think that's just something that hopefully they won't cancel the show. Maybe they'll bring back something more along those lines for the next season if they go there. It's it's weird cuz like, you know, it's a very different show than Daredevil and also Jessica Jones doesn't have the the long history to pull from. So I don't know what direction that show is going to go if it comes back at all. Like they're canceling these things like it's going out of style, but um yeah, I, I don't know. Um, season two of that show, I just, I there were there were some interesting things in it, but overall, I just was bored. So yeah, yeah, just, it just wasn't that good. By the way, something you didn't go over on the show that I need to nitpick because it drove me insane. Oh, originally, I, you know, I might live in Rhode Island now, but I'm originally a New Yorker for 31 years, and I lived in like Orange and Rockin counties for a long time, and I know it takes forever to get to places in the city yeah but that last episode when they're driving from i guess jessica's apartment to what i assume was rye playland how did it take them an entire day to get there i don't care what back roads you take <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take that long uh maybe you know Bridgegate. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been on the other side, though. That's 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 the Jersey one. Oh, I don't know then, man. Your your guess is as good as mine. Maybe uh, the bridge was, the bridge was closed for construction, and they had to take an alternate route. But I'm like, okay, did they like take some sort of swerve? Did they go out of their way to go to Playland? I mean, because they made it seem like Playland was up towards the Montreal border. Oh God, yeah. So that's a far drive. No, I, I couldn't tell you, man. But you got to go. It's TV. You just got to roll with it. And they assume that most people don't know that. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. So. So we're now three seasons deep into Daredevil. Yeah. Defenders. I'm not done with season three yet, so yeah. no spoilers. So Defenders is seemingly done, I guess, by proxy yeah, because yeah. Netflix changed that page over whatever NX is. Yeah. They, they made it like a generic. They, they Defenders Facebook page became like a generic Netflix sci-fi page. Like, okay, I guess Defenders is dead. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, while it Which looked. Which is fine. You know, it was okay. It, it, it was what it needed to be, I guess. But it like. I don't know. It still felt a little long-winded, <laughs> and it was yeah. shorter. It was only eight episodes instead of the usual Netflix thirteen, and it still felt a little little fatty. <laughs> so it, it felt like it was more of a showcase to uh, tell you that uh, Danny Rand is the immortal Iron Fist. Which hey, they had to re- they, you know to be fair, they did have to redeem him somewhat because his season was like panned, uh, and I thought they did a good job actually. I liked him better in uh, Defenders. I, anytime he teams yeah. up with Luke, I like him a lot, and. Go go figure. Both those shows are gone now, well, so I can't see them team up anymore, and that so, kind of sucks. So I guess it's been somewhat newsworthy that Disney is going to launch the streaming service. A lot of people yeah, assume yeah. that because both those shows were canceled, that they're going to get a Heroes for Hire thing. Do you even see that happening? Maybe they'd save that for Netflix. Maybe they'd recast it, which would kind of stink because I did like Mike Coulter's. Yeah, I, I assume nothing at this point. Um, I, I don't know. That's that Disney streaming service um i I believe they've said it's going to kind of have a hard pg-13 cap on the content and luke cage was anything but so you know it was pretty edgy i I can't see them continuing that stuff with that level of uh violence and language um i I just don't see it yeah but 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 uh disney also owns big 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 stake in hulu so I could possibly see them like, okay, all of our MCU movies are on there on the Disney streaming service. Star Wars is on there, yada, yada. For our edgier stuff, we'll put it on Hulu, and that's where that stuff's going to live. Yeah. I mean, if they're doing their own thing, why do, they, why do they need to partner with Netflix? That seems to be the way it's going. Like, why do we need this when we can just do our own thing? So but. are are they serious about this whole thing? Like, I don't know if it was just stuff to get people intrigued in it, but is like this Loki series going to happen? I, I, I don't know. There, yeah, I heard that that rumor that they're doing a Loki standalone series and a Scarlet Witch series with Tom Hiddleston and uh, what's her name, Kate Olsen. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, would he want to do that? You what know? else is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, dude, Loki's a 
a surprise breakout star character from those movies, and uh, he's great in that role. So if he wants to do more of it, I'm all for it, man. Tom Hiddleston's awesome as Loki. I mean, where could they go as far as like a somewhat you know serious thing with Loki? I mean, you would know more than I would. Uh dude, I don't know. Like, I it, well, spoilers for those who have not seen uh, Infinity War. He's kind of dead, so um, I guess he would have to be a prequel series of some kind. But so, he's also Loki, so maybe he's not dead. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm <clears throat> almost betting on we haven't seen the last, but we'll, we'll see. Um, if they were going to do a show, though, like maybe a prequel series where it explains his origins being Thor's little brother and coming up in the shadow. I I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. But you know what? The thing about it, I, as, as skeptical as it makes me sound, like... Marvel has built up such a, a big line of credit with all their good sh- content yeah. that I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because they haven't really burned me many times, if at all. Well, as, as long as they don't go into like the territory that DC's gone into that's just disinterested me, like, here's a show about Batman before he's Batman. Here's a show about Krypton, yeah. but it's not about Superman or his father. It's about his grandfather. Like, why do I need to know this? You don't. It's a spilling time. Uh, yeah, I know. Gotham is garbage. I don't watch it, obviously. Krypton, I haven't watched. I don't care. Well, you, you saw it. I sent you those pictures of, was it the the, the Bane? Oh, and, God. And what is that about, the, man? The Solomon Grundy one? That That's the one that I'm like, dude, this looks like a poor party city. This is like yeah, the, the low tier yeah. one. It's the like, spirit Halloween store costume. I'm like, what are you doing over there? They don't care, man. They don't care. And, like, that show is, like, at the point where they, like, I think, I don't know if it was intended to be this way, but it certainly got there. They hit a level of, like, camp value, and they have just steered into it. And, like, we're just doing ridiculous for the, it's like crash TV. Like, it's just train wreck. And they they don't care. If they had set out and they said, we're trying to remake, you know, somewhat of the, Adam West era was it Batman sixty six? Yeah. If they said that they were trying to do that, maybe I would have been on board. But <laughs> when I watched the first season optimistically, I did not get that vibe that they were going to eventually try to go there. Yeah. I got like we're trying to present this as like a somewhat crime drama. That's the way I originally thought it was gonna be, like Gotham with a young Jim Gordon. Like, okay, there's a, that's an interesting premise. And then it just went off the rails. I don't know, yeah. I don't know whatever. You go have fun over there with all that i i'm i'm good i'm I mean, good my I mean, time is short i never really got into a lot of the dc stuff i remember like early on you know we had the lois and clark show but we also had um like there was a lot of those kind of shows that were off the grid like um i would i'd say channel nine shows but if you're not from the new york city region yeah, you're like i have no idea what you're talking about i guess it was like on the upn like they had shows like uh viper which was a show about a guy in a car, and then they had another one was Mantis, where it was like, I remember Mantis, yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. was like in the wheelchair, and then he got the, the suit, suit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, those yeah. shows were kind of cool. Mantis, that's not that's not DC, is no, it? No, that was a TV thing. <clears throat> um, DC's big strength, honestly, was always been their animated stuff. Like Batman, oh, yeah. the animated series is like all time great. That show is just excellent to this day. It's timeless. The animation makes it timeless. But the style they chose, the music, the yeah, that was that was dark deco or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. I love that. It's it's stylistic. It looks awesome. The episodes are great. It was well written. And the voice, oh, the voice acting was top, 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 top flight. And the fact that they had like little throwbacks, like you know, they they they'd have uh, when they did was it the Grey Ghost? Grey Ghost. That, that was West. West. That was good. Yeah, but great episode. And it was probably one of the best Joker voicing ever. And it's like Animal Man. Pe- pe- people know now, but like back in the day, we didn't realize. Hey, that's Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, I know. Luke Skywalker is the best Joker you've ever heard. Isn't that weird? What a time to be alive. I know. Yeah. Um, but you know, steering the ship back over, um, that's our show that we do. Um, we, we geek out on stuff and just, uh, generally we'll, we'll do like an episode recap, op- a sh- an episode. So one episode of our show, we'll talk geek news and all that. And then we'll dive in, we'll dive into an episode of, uh, the Marvel Netflix stuff. So right now we're in the middle of middle We're we're, we just dipped our toes into daredevil season three. So, um, you're, if you, yeah, this is a good time to jump in and, um, spoilers we're, we're loving it. Daredevil season three so far is excellent. And for those that, that haven't listened to the show before, I watched the entire third season, and I went, I went back and I listened to that first episode you guys did, and there were things that you guys pointed out that I didn't necessarily notice on the first watch. Well, that's so what we try. We try to go, we try to go deep. Yeah, it's 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 very like informative, and being that Drew 
has the experience with you know following Daredevil comics like forever. Oh man, that first season is like a treasure trove for me. There's so many references and winks and nods, and we we talk through all that. Um, if you go back into our old shows, uh, we as much as we can, we try to educate you to the the ties, the winks, the nods to the comics and the Daredevil history and whatnot. So yeah, we do the best we can. So I guess they're filming Jessica Jones season three now. Uh, or no. no that's not, well, they're filming Punisher. That's Yeah, Punisher. So, which, another one of my favorite characters, that show was okay. Just okay. Not the Punisher I want. I think it's, the Punisher I want, I don't think, is suitable for television. Yeah. I, he's, it would just be murder for 13 episodes, and that's kind of hard to you know make into a show that people want to see. Who's he going to murder this week? <laughs> that says a lot about me, but it's like, you know, I don't know. The Punisher is a great character if you treat him like a boogeyman um, who hunts worse boogeymen. Yeah. That's how you make him relatable. Like, you have to put him up against something worse than him. And that that's a tough premise for a TV show. I mean, it works on paper. It works in comics very well. Uh, as a show, though, it might be a little much to, to, to take. And uh, I understand why they soften him up a bit on the on the show. But... The show's okay. I shouldn't. I shouldn't crap on it too much. It's just not. It's just not necessarily the Punisher that I want to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you have to kind of like. Like I said, I felt it that with Daredevil, it was a little easier because you had a multi-dimensional character. Abs- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But He's like deep. with some of these other ones, it's like you know you kind of it, you kind of had to build a little more to make them a little more relatable. Yeah. And even even with Jessica Jones, it's like she was kind of more irritable just because that's that was how the the, the character was. Yeah, she had, well, I mean, she's a broken she's kind of a, like, you know, she's a little broken. So two seasons of that gets to be a much. Like at some point you got to fix yourself, Jess. Yeah. In the comics, if you, eventually she marries Luke Cage and they have a kid and she gets a little more well adjusted. But in the show she's still kind of fundamentally messed up and drinks and life is hard and sob stories and stuff. And, and it's it, all fine, but, you know, we, we need some growth here at some point. And it doesn't seem like uh, they, they ended that second season on a, hey, everything's all good. It's no. like, no, it's just back to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, we'll see where all that goes. If it lasts at all, we'll, I don't know. But Daredevil's doing great, and uh, I'm enjoying it, so. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll wrap this up because we, I think we've rambled on long enough. Yeah, but- you've... Metallica and Marvel and why am I listening to this again? <laughs> we could we could probably go on for another couple hours if we wanted to divulge on any more of those. But um, so okay, so you, you have the podcast. Yes, we, we've we've plugged that eight thousand times. Um, also too, um, you still have some music for sale for your band, The Long Cold Dark. Absolutely, man, check us out. The, the Long Cold Dark. You can find us on Facebooks, um, YouTube. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon. We got stuff for sale. Uh, if you like heavy metal, uh, we are a heavy metal band. So go listen to heavy metal at uh, The Long Cold Dark. I would recommend it, too. Thank right. you, sir. Yeah, you've gotten on stage a couple times. <laughs> yeah, More than a couple times. I, I might have played. I might have had, <laughs> it, had a few moments. Yes, you have. So, yeah, so um, I guess we'll wrap this up, and uh, hopefully Brian will let me do some more of these. After this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or complaints, uh, Brian's home address is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, well, take it easy. Thanks. <laughs>